0: Heritage I want to welcome all of you across the network I want to greet our Rock Island family those tuning in from Kiwani the men there and those joining us online as we launch our interruptible life series from our Bendorf campus Now, I don't know about you, but just watching that opening bumper just starts to build some intensity and pressure around the realities of life. Just that beat that's driving, you even start to feel a little stressed out as you're thinking about work or school or projects, to-do lists and, and, and homework and all the stuff that just crams into life where days can just go by and just fly by, where days turns into weeks and weeks turn, turn into months and months turn into years and we're like, we wonder where the time went. All the while, we're trying to live a life of meaning and purpose amidst all that craziness. How in the world can we actually live an interruptible life and all of that? We uh, wrapped up our Relatable series last weekend. And and it was a great series as we just spent some time trying to understand how we live, experiencing the blessing and favor of God in our relationships. And God moved in some really cool ways in that conversation. But we're going to take the conversation to a whole other level. We're going to go deeper Because Jesus not only taught us how to live in the things we talked about in Relatable, but he modeled, he modeled for us a a life that created space for interruption. For for God to do things through him, for, for significant investments in the right places. I mean, to love people the way Jesus loved people is a great way to live. And we talked about some of that in our Relatable conversation, but as we step into Interruptible life. We're going down a whole nother layer in the conversation. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do because He's already been working in me as I was preparing to kick this thing off, started challenging me in a couple of different things. And and I want to just dive right in as we get started. I want to put out there a, a pretty profound statement for you. Are you ready for this? Interruption interrupts. Deep, isn't it? No, it's not deep, but it's foundational. Interruption interrupts, but I want to take a moment to understand what it means to interrupt. So here's the definition out of the dictionary. To interrupt, to cause or make a break in the continuity or uniformity. To break off or cause to cease as in the middle of something. Or third, to stop a person in the midst of doing or saying something, especially by an interjected remark. Interruption. We know it, we understand it, but there's the formal definition interruption interrupts actually reminds me of a joke (laughs) can I tell you? should I tell you? probably not but I'm going to tell you anyway so it's a knock-knock joke and you guys know how this works so I'll start you off you respond Rock Island make sure you jump in on this too Manikawani here we go knock-knock interrupting cow moo (laughs) I asked first I asked first interruption interrupts. And we live a life that's so busy and fast-paced that those interruptions break continuity, they disrupt us from one thing for another, and so I want to ask you, when was the last time you were interrupted? Can you think of the time? Besides just a moment ago when I told you the joke, (laughs) when was the last time you experienced an interruption? Maybe you were talking, maybe you were working, maybe you were traveling. I want you to think of the last time you were interrupted or maybe a time you were interrupted and preferably one of significant interruption. Maybe you can think of many, but I really just want you to pick one. One moment that you experienced an interruption. you have one in mind? Okay, I want to go back to that experience for a couple of moments. I want you to think about the circumstances surrounding it. The things that occurred leading up to the moment you are interrupted. I want you to recall the people who were involved. I want you to think about what you were going to say or do next before the interruption. Now I want you to think about how you felt at the moment of interruption. And what were the implications of it? What did it cost you? What was the implication for time? Were you late? Was there a relationship collateral damage? What was the ripple of that interruption? Now hopefully you're back in that headspace for a moment. But I want all of you are across the network to do this. I want you to raise your hand if that interruption was, in a, was, a, was a negative experience. Raise your hand if that interruption was a negative, disruptive experience. OK, raise your hand if it was a positive experience. OK, here's the deal. Most of the time, we look at and think and respond to interruptions as if they're problems. But what if interruptions were not just interruptions in the sense of, setbacks, but what if they were set-ups? Not, not set-ups in a negative sense as if to trick, but set-ups for something more. What if they weren't obstacles? What if we saw them as opportunities? What if the interruptions, the crowding in our life, the things that seek to break continuu- continuity, that disrupt us from one thing to another, were actually not obstacles, but opportunities? Most of us think of, of interruptions as as obstacles, as problems to avoid, something to actually avoid altogether. But what if they were actually set ups for something more, not simply setbacks? I mean, both can be interruptions. Both distract from what we intended to do in one circumstance, but they don't inherently have to be bad, they don't, they're not necessarily bad. You know, as a state trooper, um, I interrupted lots of people's lives. <laughs> Especially around traffic violations like speeding. It, it, just, it just was the deal. So here's the thing. I actually want to show you a video of a traffic stop. It's not me. It's not one of mine. But it's the interaction of a, a police officer with a driver. And there's actually some subtitles in it, so you can clearly understand what's being said. But the police officer's subtitle's in yellow, and the driver's subtitle is in white. And I want to show this video to, to you, because it helps to illustrate that interruption can actually be opportunity. Take a look. Hey, officer. Yes, sir. Hi, yes, brother. How's it going? I haven't seen you in forever, man. What's going on? Well, I just got out of the hospital. How's it going? Oh, well, I'm actually kind of sleepy today, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. Well, I got to be honest. The reason why I stopped you is because you've got a child in the car with no child seat. I don't have no child. I don't have a child. No, sir. Are you sure? No, sir. Are you positive I'm about positive. this? Are you saying I do? <laughs> I don't see one. We do have a child in the car with no car seat. I think that means you're a daddy, buddy. Well, there you go. That's an interruption with some good news. What if we looked at interruptions, not as obstacles, but as opportunities? Not as setbacks backs, but as set-ups for, for the good news of God to be communicated, for the love of God to be communicated, for, for His purpose to be realized. See, life's interruptions, interruptions, they're frequent, and we often feel, they feel like they're bothersome, they're even annoying, even unnecessary, often feel counterproductive to what we're trying to do in life, but, but they're not intrinsically negative. But they're, they're certainly unplanned. They're unexpected, but they can also be unprecedented. When we understand how to live an interruptible life. Have you ever had those days where you get up and you go to work or go to school and you feel like everything's just clicking? It's like your timing's on, your decision-making's on, you got all the stuff you needed, just like great day, just everything's moving and all cylinders just firing. all. Okay, you've had those days, right? Maybe once in a while. But then you have the exact opposite, right? Where it's like... Nothing seems to be going right. All kinds of things are pushing in, going wrong. It's just complex. I actually had one of those days recently. And I have to tell you, it was partly my fault. Because uh, on this particular day, I was exhausted. And when my alarm went off, I hit snooze. Not not just once or twice. I hit snooze five times. (laughs) Don't judge me. Okay, I was so tired, I hit snooze five times, and on top of it I changed the time of the alarm and reset it for a second time. I was just tired. (laughs) But by the time I got up, I was running so late, I didn't have time for my regular prayer investment. And so I took off and I did it on the fly. I gotta tell you, I felt it the whole day. I was missing things, I wasn't prepared for the interruptions that were coming, I wasn't prepared to handle things as opportunities, I only saw them as obstacles. And there's one particular moment that I could have helped somebody, but I saw it as an, an interruption that was an obstacle or a setback. I didn't see it as an interruption that was an opportunity and a setup for something more. And it actually was, and I missed it. See, the difference between a setup and a setback is whether or not it adds value. They're both interruptions, but the interruption is not inherently bad. It can actually be a holy moment. It can be a God moment. See, the reality is that interruption is often God's invitation. I'm convinced that interruption is often God's invitation, invitation to be part of something bigger. What we only see as an inconvenient disruption is often an invitation to be part of a specific moment and opportunity, something bigger than us, to to actually learn something about ourselves or about God Himself. Interruption is, is often God's invitation. But if we don't know how to make the most of that, or we're not sure even how to, how to tell the difference, or we're not willing to make space for the interruption itself, we miss out altogether. If the gentleman in the traffic stop had chosen not to stop, that would've gone totally differently. (laughs) Yet he allowed the interruption. How do we live an interruptible life? See. One thing to understand as we begin the conversation in interruptible life is just kind of foundational that you and I we are created by God in his image for his purpose. He's we're loved by him, we're created in his image and he's given us this thing called life. That that we get to live. But, but life is filled with, with demands and requests and challenging dynamics and relationship drama and things that want our our attention and our time and our, and our treasure. And and they just all kind of push in all the time. And we can't do everything, we can't do it all. They were bombarded by this stuff, but we cannot literally engage everything that presses in on us. And Jesus didn't either. Jesus, Jesus didn't do everything that he could have done that pressed in and was asking for time and attention in his life. He didn't, he didn't navigate this by ignoring everything, he navigated this by focusing in it. And he didn't do every one of the things that he could have done around him, he, he did the right ones. And he did it by bracketing his life with two specific things, an understanding of purpose and a posture and discipline of prayer. He navigated the complexity and and intensity and demands of life by bracketing it with purpose and prayer, the covering of prayer and an understanding of who he's supposed to be, knowing how he's filled, knowing how he should live in that dynamic. This is how he navigated all of the interruptions that marked his life, and his life was marked by significant interruption. The deal is so can we. In our series, we're gonna look at specific examples of how he did this so we can actually learn how to do it as well, and it really is just this simple. And I want to show you how, because I, I know that every day the dynamic happens where God is setting us up for something bigger, and if we know how to manage it by understanding purpose and prayer, then we can step into things with a greater ripple for Him, and for us, when we understand that He's in an ongoing process by design creating more opportunities than we realize to live an interruptible life. But see, we're not the only people to manage the tension of all the stuff that presses in. Jesus had to manage this. His life and ministry was marked by interruption. Every day, people clamoring for His attention, for His time, people begging Him to heal Him, people challenging Him, questioning Him, asking Him all kinds of crazy questions. His life was marked by interruption. Far more interruption than you and I will ever experience. Yet, He was able to step into each and every one of those moments with clarity and conviction because he knew how to live an interruptible life. And every time he stepped into those interruptions with clarity and conviction out of purpose and prayer, they became great moments, not setbacks. They were setups for something more. And we're going to look at a few of them in our series. We're going to pack them along the way so we know how to live, understanding that interruptions are often God's invitation. The disciples understood this as well. They saw Jesus on a daily basis navigate the interruptions that came in so they knew that not every interruption was a setback it was actually mostly set ups for for God to do something significant they were not obstacles they were opportunities which is why Peter would later go on to write these words in 1 Peter here's what he said who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good but even if you should suffer for what is right you are blessed now, that's a really good reminder and it harkens back to the Relatable series as we try to create embrace space in our ongoing lives and relationships. It's a good reminder. He goes on to say this, do not fear their threats, do not be frightened, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Look, what Peter's saying is, be prepared for the interruption. Be prepared. The, the prevailing question is, how do we do that? Not, not how do we respond to the interruption, because clearly he's saying with gentleness and respect. It's how do we position ourselves How to be ready? How do we make ourselves ready to respond to the invitation to step into more? See whenever, we're we're in a world that's filled with lots of things that press in and demand our time and attention, and prayer serves as the filter to navigate those things that push in. Martin Luther once said that, I have so much to do today, I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. (laughs) Seems like a lot, (laughs) it seems counterintuitive, but what he's doing is declaring that prayer is the filter. Prayer is the filter that allows us to navigate the stuff that pushes in with an understanding of purpose. Purpose and prayer bracket our management of life, and when we sit in a posture of prayer, we can actually develop perspective. We can look at the things that push in on us and have perspective to know what we're to engage and what we're not to engage. What is a set up and what's a set back? It's the perspective. And the more we pray, the greater clarity we have to navigate the things that push in and ask for our time, the interruptions that inevitably will come. It provides perspective. So how do we live an interruptible life? How do we live ready? Well, readiness to live an interruptible life is established in prayer. The readiness to live an interruptible life is established in prayer. It's, it's founded, it's rooted in a discipline and posture of prayer. Jesus understood his purpose out of a context of prayer. That's how he could navigate all the interruptions he encountered. To know which ones to engage and which ones to not. But you don't have to take my word for it, he lived this out of his own life, so let's look at his life. Jesus was someone who not only entertained interruption, he welcomed them. Because he knew they often were set ups for something more for God. So if you have a Bible, turn to, with me to Mark chapter 1. Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. We're gonna hang in that part, part of Scripture for a little bit. But as you do, I just wanna acknowledge something, that not everything Jesus did is captured in Scripture. Even John, the disciple John, acknowledges that. He says, oh, this is only some of what Jesus did. If we tried to capture all of it, it'd take up too much space. But even though not all is captured, what is captured is marked significantly by interruption significantly by interruption. And when he's walking, talking, teaching, sitting, interruption was a prevalent piece of his life. All the way from the very beginning of his ministry at the wedding in in Cana, when his mom interrupts him and asks him to turn water into wine, or actually she just asked him to help, and that's what he did. (laughs) To the thief on the cross, who interrupts and asks for mercy. His entire life was marked by interruption from from the very beginning. But he knew how to live an interruptible life, so those moments became great moments. And those disruptions became opportunities. So let's look at an example of this, where interruptions actually being opportunities and setups for something more. And this moment in Mark 1 is coming in the midst of lots of interruption already. Because prior to where we're going to read, Jesus is actually teaching, and a demon possessed man just yells out in the middle of his teaching, interruption. Then he goes to Peter's house, and he heals Peter's mother-in-law. But then a whole bunch of people start to come to the house, and he, he heals many of them, but not all of them. It's interruption. And soon after that, a, a man with leprosy just stops him in the middle of travel and begs him to heal him. Another interruption. But in the midst of all this, right before the leper comes, we find a very key component of what it means to live an interruptible life and how we can actually do it. So here's where we go. Mark chapter 1, we're starting at verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he was. Pray. He prayed. Okay, so this is after he healed the mother-in-law of Peter. This is after all those people came in and he had the healing, but it's before the leper shows up and he goes out early in the morning and he prays. Simon and, that's Peter, and his companions went to look for him and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man, next interruption, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Okay, so here's the deal. In an irreparable life requires making space for two things prayer and the actual interruption itself. The ability to live an interruptible life requires making space for prayer and the interruption itself. And Jesus knew that, but he understood that came out of a posture and discipline of prayer. So let me just pause for a moment and say this. Early morning prayer is wonderful and great, but it's not the only time you can pray, because <laughs> you can pray anytime. Let me, talk, let me tell you, the best time to pray, the best time to pray, listen to this, the best time to pray is whenever it works for you. If you're a night person, pray at night, but pray. If you're a morning person, get up early in the morning and pray. Make the space and time to pray. It's not about the when, it's the actual engagement of the what and how we engage in that posture, understanding our purpose. Because prayer gives us perspective to navigate the interruptions of life and to understand our purpose in the context of that. And let me tell you, if you're not praying, you're not preparing. If you're not praying, you're not preparing. And when we don't pray, we're not ready. And for me, recently on that day that I hit the snooze button way too many times, (laughs) that day would have gone a lot differently if I'd made the time to get ready. The time to have perspective, to look at those interruptions as opportunities when I could have. But I didn't. I wasn't ready. I didn't prepare. And it, it changed the dynamic and I missed moments that were set ups for something more. Prayer is essential for navigating that. Jesus understood it. So he actually goes out in the early morning, he sets up in a prayer space, and what happens? He gets interrupted. (laughs) He gets interrupted again. Does he get mad? No. No, instead he just simply says, let's go somewhere else to nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. So here's the thing, Jesus is not avoiding interruptions, he's keeping perspective See, having prayed, out of an understanding of purpose, he knows where he's supposed to engage, and he's to go into new spaces where he finds more interruption, and the man with leprosy shows up. But do you see what he's actually doing in his day-to-day life? He is bracketing prayer and purpose to navigate the interruptions of life, to know what to engage and what not to engage. The, The Son of God, Jesus, understood the importance of making time to sit in a prayer space, and bracket his purpose so he could navigate life. See, no matter, no matter how much, no matter how busy life gets, we need to make time for God. We need to be able to step into places of prayer to understand that out of our purpose and and out of a posture of prayer, we can navigate the things that demand life. We get perspective out of that, but when we also engage in that space of of prayer, we can prepare for the stuff that shows up in life. Prayer is a place of preparation. It is a place that we get perspective so that we can walk life and have an interruptible life for the glory and purpose of God and not just have to navigate the mess with no sense of direction. Jesus understood this. He understood that the longer he spent away from prayer, away from understanding his purpose, that he would be less prepared to engage. The greater time and space that occurred in that, The greater the drift. Think about it this way. How long can humans go without food? It's like weeks, right? How long can we go without water? Days. How long can we go without air? Minutes. How long can we, can you go without prayer? How long can you go without a clear sense of purpose? Look, I recently came across some statistics about migratory birds. I don't know if any of you study migratory birds. I don't normally, but I found some really interesting statistics. In fact, the bird with the, the longest uh, flight path is, is actually the Arctic Tern, which migrates from England to Antarctica and back, and it's 60,000 miles. 60,000 miles, that's a lot. But scientists have many, for many years have known that the great frigate bird, is actually is able to nap in 10-second bursts, sleep in 10-second bursts, so that it can stay in flight for two months. That's impressive. (laughs) I wish I could do that. But the, the, the great frigate is not the bird with the longest uninterrupted flight record. For many years, scientists have understood that the Alpine Swift is able to stay in flight uninterrupted for 200 days. 200 days, and that's impressive. But thanks to some new technology and how they can track birds and track what they're doing in flight, they have actually found that the Alpine Swift doesn't hold the record of the longest uninterrupted flight. This guy does. This is the common Swift. You know how long the common Swift can stay in flight and actually fly uninterrupted? 300 days plus. 10 months. Yes. Ten months. Totally obliterated the previous record. Now, I don't share that with you so you can start to figure out how do I live uninterrupted for ten months. (laughs) I share that with you so you know how to live an interruptible life. See, do, do you think this dude gets tired flying for two months, eight months, or ten months for that matter? No. It's what he's created for. It's what he's designed for. Everything about him, the sleekness, everything you can see hes totally aerodynamic. He can do that. That's what he's made for. He's he's no more tired of flying than a fish is of swimming. But when you and I think about flying for 10 months, 10 hours, 10 days, or or better yet, running or walking (laughs) for 10 months, 10 hours, 10 days straight, we get exhausted even thinking about it. Because we're not created to run or walk for 10 months straight. So we're created to be active and rest. We're created to, to, to work and invest for six and rest for one day. We're created to live and love and laugh, but we're created to also recover. But more importantly, we're created for fellowship with God and community with others. To more simply state it, we're created for prayer and purpose. To live that life I'm describing, bracketed by purpose and prayer, no matter what the pressures, no matter what the interruptions are, we're created for that. There's beauty in it. And a readiness to live an interruptible life is established in prayer. It's, it's formed. We're made to talk in fellowship with the Father, to know which of the interruptions are set-ups and which are setbacks. If we'll just do it. You tracking that? Okay, so here's the thing. I want to go to another concept that is important for us in our journey of interruptible life, that followers of Jesus turn interruptions into opportunities. Followers of Jesus turn interruptions into opportunities. It's the hallmark of a believer. It's the mark of the believer. In some ways, you can call it the second mark of the believer, because scripture tells us that the first mark of a believer is love. And therefore, how we live out that love in the interruptions of life could very easily be argued to be the second definition or mark of a believer. And and Jesus lived this way, an interruptible life. In fact, he actually told a story one time uh, about some people who were unwilling to live an interruptible life. They're actually religious people who, when a man was injured alongside of the road, didn't have time, was too busy in the complications of life, they were too busy to stop. It's the story of the Good Samaritan, many of you are familiar with it. The priest and the Levite were not willing to live an interruptible life and just kept going on by. But a man who was a Samaritan was. He allowed the interruption. He was willing to live an interruptible life, but in order to do that he had to set aside his agenda, his preference, his bias, his treasure, even wrongs that had been done against him as a Samaritan to be able to step into the moment of living an interruptible life as a set up for more, as an opportunity and not an obstacle. You can read more about it in Luke chapter 10. But it's a great story that Jesus told that illustrates the importance of living an interruptible life. And, and followers of Jesus turn the interruptions into opportunities. That's part of living that interruptible life. In fact, one of the followers of Jesus was named Paul. And he writes something that kind of succinctly captures many of the concepts we're leaning into in this journey. It's in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Here's what he said. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I don't know if you see what he's saying. He's saying, look, we have an identity and a purpose. It's, it's created by, by God to do good works that He's prepared in advance for us to do. So we apply this into the conversation we're looking at in the diagram. The reality is that we, as image bearers of the King, loved by God, are created by Him, or His handiwork to do good works, the purpose, which He's prepared in advance to do. But the only way we know how to know what those things are is that we bracket it with prayer. Out of an understanding of purpose. And that's how we live a life that's interruptible. Making space for prayer and making space for the interruption. The right interruptions. You know, I don't, I don't know how to lead apart from prayer. I don't. There are all the demands and pressure and asks and opportunities and challenges of leadership. I don't know what to do apart from prayer. I only know what to do because of that conversation and covering of prayer out of a sense of purpose and you knowing how to navigate life as a leader, as a, as a father, as a husband. I don't know how to live in those spaces apart from prayer. Even the things that we're doing as a church reflect that priority. The, the bold moves that we have been making as a church family to seek the peace and prosperity of our cities, man that's coming out of this stuff. That, that stuff is not me. <laughs> I don't even always prefer all the stuff that God asks us to chase chase, because it's hard. It's challenging. The the vision that God has given us as a church, it's His vision, it's not mine. It's us living out a posture of just hearing Him and following Him and stepping into a willingness to do whatever He says. It's the good works He's prepared for us to do that we're just trying to obey. Just take for example the purchase of the former Kone building, I mean the journey to step into this Uh, was more than a year before I ever brought it before the congregation. From the first time I began praying around that space and then brought in the leadership team and brought in the board, we spent significant time in prayer and fasting to discern what God was asking us to do, not just decide. We didn't want to react, we wanted to respond. And so we, understanding our purpose and out of a posture of prayer, we took the time to make sure this is what God was asking us to do. It was, it was more than a year before I brought it. It was December of 15 that I first started praying around that space. It was January of 17 that I brought it before the congregation. And it was the following summer, last summer, that we actually stepped into purchasing and acquiring this facility. The, the good work that he's actually called us to do. Now, to be quite honest, uh, that was, it's a risk. It's a sacrifice. It, it comes with uh, a passion so that more people can know Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, that whole thing is an interruption. It's an interruption to our plans, our preferences, our priorities to some degree to step into that dynamic because it requires sacrificial giving, it requires unique places of service, it requires investing outside of ourselves, beyond ourselves for people we don't know, for generations yet to come, for people who live in parts of these cities that we don't live in. It would be far easier for us to just focus on ourselves. It would be far easier for me as a leader to just focus on what is and not worry about what can be. I just ignore the interruption of what can be as a setup for more but we choose to listen and obey and I love that about the heritage family our willingness to hear him and do whatever he says now I look forward to sharing a bit more about where we're at in the vision journey because we've made some great progress over the last few months I'll be sharing some of that at our scoop tonight at the Rock Island campus I invite you to be, be there for that we'll share some more over the next few months but I actually want to update you on one particular thing. Because it was earlier this year, I invited the entire church family to help us and speak into the process of identifying a name for this building. And I got to tell you, we've narrowed it down to two names. Would you like to hear them? Okay. I'm going to tell you them both, and maybe you can help us decide. It's either Demon Slayer Center or Satan Slayer Center. <laughs> no? No? I'm kidding, they're not doing that. <laughs> totally a joke. Too soon? Maybe a little too soon, I apologize. No, but here's the deal we actually do have the name, and I want to share it with you. After tons of prayer, after working through it, and had more than 150 suggestions, i um, had a lot of repeated names, but 150 different suggestions, we've landed on a name for that building. And the name is Bridgepoint. Bridgepoint. Now, I got to tell you yep, yeah, you can do that. So let me tell you why I love this name. Not only does it identify the physical and geographic proximity to the I-74 bridge, both old and new, but it more importantly points to the reality that Jesus, His life and death and resurrection, His cross is the bridge for us to step into relationship with God. It's the bridging point. And beyond that, as they sent people of God, we're to be building bridges of relationship and building bridges over the second gap so that people can cross that bridge of Christ into relationship with God. It's bridge point absolutely love the name. I'm excited about it. In fact, the building itself sits on mile marker 485 of the Mississippi. I don't know if you knew the Mississippi is marked out in mile markers. And this building sits on mile marker 485. So the actual full name for this building will be Bridgepoint 485. Bridgepoint 485. Love it. I'm excited. Thank you so much for your ideas. Thank you for your patience as we walk through that. Thank you for your partnership in it. This is a multi-year journey that God is faithfully moving with us in. But it's us living out this thing of, of prayer and purpose to navigate life in a way where we're stepping into the interruptions that He wants us to step into. And this is one of them, and I'm excited to see what He's going to do. But i got to tell you, in this process of, of prayer and purpose, when I, when I come across that 1 Peter 3.15 passage, I actually heard that in junior high. I recall hearing it for the first time in junior high. And, and from that point, I always understood that to mean that we just need to be prepared to share the gospel, which I believe is true. But I've learned a whole new depth to that scripture, as we've engaged in living out these bold moves, as we've engaged in conversations with people in our cities to seek the peace and prosperity of our cities. Because we're sitting in conversations and around tables and circles with people who don't necessarily walk with Jesus, but they want to see our cities flourish, and so do we. And so we're connecting over the common ground of wanting our cities to flourish and seek the peace and prosperity of it, but there's a unique shift that happens because I actually believe it's possible. And, and when I sit in those circles, there's a, there's a shift that takes place because because I have the hope that it's possible, and those that I'm interacting with don't necessarily hold that. And they want to know the reason for the hope that I have. And in that space, I get to walk back in that conversation and explain it's because of Jesus and what He has done. That's the reason for the hope that I have, that we can see the flourishing of our cities and the flourishing of in individual lives, and we can seek the peace and prosperity. And it's changed the whole thing for me, but it all comes out of living in a posture of, of covering of prayer out of our identity in our purpose, where we get perspective to prepare to respond to the things that intervene in, and interrupt. So, so what? Well, we're going to spend a couple of weeks unpacking this concept a bit more. We're going to lean into a couple of different realities. We'll look at some examples of Jesus and how he lived an interruptible life. Um, but I want to, I want to give you a couple things that allow you to sit in your quiet time this week, your time with the Lord, and process a bit more. Just realities that we'll get two more in the rest of this journey, but here's the first one. Here's the reality. That the ability to live an interruptible life is found in what we value. It's found in what we value. See, uh, where we place value uh, allows us to live into it. Readiness is defined by prayer, but our ability to step into it is where we actually place value. Who or what we value. And I think we get holy prayer, I think we get holy worship, but I don't know that we understand holy interruption. And I think it's a real, real thing. It's, I see it all through Jesus' life. And so wherever we understand where we're placing value, our ability to live in an interruptible life is based in who or what we value. And Jesus repeatedly declared that he would do the will of the Father. And we can do the same and we want to do the same. So where we place value is important. Th- but then I want to encourage you to actually this week do something very particular. And here's the next thing. Look for divine opportunities whenever interruptions involve people. You know, a lot of interruptions come, they don't all involve directly people, but when they do, look for the divine opportunity in it. Because when interruptions involve people, they're more likely opportunities. We'll talk more about this, but interruptions often equal people, and, and, and looking for the divine opportunity whenever interruptions involve people is one of the ways we live in an interruptible life. You can actually do that by changing a starting point in how you think. Whenever you encounter an interruption, instead of thinking what it's going to cost you, instead of even focusing on the person that you're bumping into, actually shift your focus to God and begin to talk with Him about what to do with it. Ask Him. Step immediately into prayer. Say, Lord, what am I supposed to do in this space? How am I supposed to respond? Instead of thinking about what's going to cost you or, or even what can be accomplished out of it, think about what He wants to accomplish out of it. And and begin to see where he's working and moving. Focus, focus on him, not the other person, not on yourself or what it's costing you, but focus on him. As As you pray in that space, understanding your purpose and identity in him, that's where he begins to unpack and identify that interruption. Now, here's the thing, not every interruption is a divine opportunity, I'm gonna tell you that. Not every one. And we literally can't do them all. But I think more often they are opportunities than obstacles and we just miss them but if we're willing to prepare in prayer and understand our identity, well then we can maximize them. So they could be, could be for you, your coworker. It could be your kids interrupting you. It could be your neighbor. It could be the chatty person in line behind you at the checkout that you wish wasn't so chatty anyway. <laughs> could be the cashier. Where, Where is God wanting you to live an interruptible life? In fact, that's the question I want to leave you with. Last fill in in your note guide. Where are you willing to let God interrupt your life? As we start this series, it's an invitation for us, me, you and I to think through this answer as we walk the process, looking for divine opportunities whenever interruptions involve people. We'll talk more about it over the rest of the journey, but that reality of where are you positioned, where are you willing to let God interrupt your life is key, it's it's important. Loving people the way Jesus loved people is a great way to live. And it requires living an interruptible life. So where are you willing or not willing? (laughs) Where are you prepared or not prepared, by prayer, to live that interruptible life? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love people the way you do. Uh, Jesus, I thank you that you have loved us in all of our complexity. And I thank you that you have modeled for us an interruptible life. I, I pray that you forgive us for, and me, for the moments that I have missed opportunities because I thought they were obstacles. Help us, Lord, to to look at interruptions and see them the way you see them. Give us perspective. Prepare us out of our times of prayer with you. And may we walk in life embracing and doing the good works you prepared for us in advance for your glory and for your honor. So help us, Lord Jesus, to live the interruptible life you call us to. I pray this all in your name and everybody said, amen.